Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live, special Father's Day edition. Our special guest tonight is executive producer, director, the guy who's been with The Walking Dead since day one, Michael Satrazimus. Michael, how are you doing? Happy Father's Day, and thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm doing I'm doing well. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Exactly. To all the dads, happy Father's Day. I hope you're enjoying your day. We have a lot to talk about, about season six, Fear the Walking Dead. So we are just going to dive right into it. Now, Michael, I asked you a question like a while back. When you, Ian, Andrew, Lenny first came over uh, to Fear, starting in season four, did you guys have a sense when we you introduced all the new characters like Maggie Grace, Jenna Elfman, and the rest of them? Did it all like at that point say, you know what, we're going to build this up and we're going to build it up to the season that we just finished? Well, I don't, I don't know if that's the original mindset going into season four. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, we were, we were trying to accomplish a lot. We were trying to bring in. You know, come over with Lenny, trying to reinvent a lot of things, trying to mix a lot of culture and new characters and, and things like that. I do think, um, you know, Scott Kimple, Ian and Andrew had, had a plan moving forward into how to kind of transition from season to season and and kind of build in, you know, what the the happiness that led to to all of the loss of hope and despair, which, you know, represents the apocalypse pretty well. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that a lot of that was, you know, was, was led into, um, you know, with four and five and going into six, the kind of anthological, you know, nature of, of the show, you know, this deep dive was really just representative of the, the kind of strength and, and actors that we have and characters that we have. I mean, I think it really, it highlights everyone's ability. Um, it allows uh, us as, you know, creators to kind of take deep dives with these scripts and, and, and the same with the writers. Absolutely. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I want to give you, your fellow crew, cast, a big congratulations on what was, in my opinion, the best Walking Dead season in the entire franchise. Um, mm -hmm. By far. It was my favorite season in what is now three shows. And what you guys pulled off this season, where there was not a, a slow burn episode, per se, for the entire 16 episodes. I mean, it was just non-stop. When you started uh, with this whole anthology, new format, were you a little apprehensive? Like, man, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? How is this going to go? Well, I don't, I mean, personally for me, as soon as, as soon as, you know, we were talking about doing it, it was a great idea. I just, because all of the episodes that resonate, you know, the most with me that I've been able to, you know, to direct are like the Laura's or the close your eyes. And they are these small character, big scope, deep dive kind of episodes. And, you know, when you start pitching that, that's all we're going to do. Um, you know, I'm, of course, as a creator, I'm going to get super excited. Everything is basically a little movie, you know, and, and uh, it's nice to be able to try to, with a common thread and a common language, you know, to have 16 very distinct movies, you know, uh, it's just, it just is, it's a better way of storytelling. I think it's, and it's it kind of, oh, go on. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, you know, I think, it's, I think it's kind of the future of, 
of storytelling, I, I, you know, it really resonated with me. It was a very powerful season. There were so many episodes that I didn't direct that that I wish that I would have. You know, I mean, it, it, it just really it was something special. And I leave it to, you know, I give it up to, to Ian and Andrew for for wanting to do this. And for, you know, I think it was risky uh, because you don't know how it's going to resonate, you know, for those people who are like, wait a minute, I'm not going to see my favorite character maybe for four or five episodes. You know, you're you're betting that everyone's going to shine and that all the episodes are going to be strong. But really, in the end, I, I feel like they were and and uh, and the show benefits for it. Everyone's on point. Absolutely. And it was all hinged on that very first episode, the premiere. Let's go back to the premiere with Michael Abbott Jr., who played Isaac, Demetrius Gross, who played Emil, yourself, uh, you guys, Lenny James, of course, and you behind the camera. Uh, that episode was so amazing, and it sold everybody that this whole anthology was going to work. Walk walk us through that premiere. This is before COVID hit, when you guys did that premiere. Walk us through how filming that season premiere, did you feel an extra weight on your shoulders that you were half going to going to have to set the tone for the anthology series i i don't know i mean i feel i think there's always a so always a weight on my shoulders you know uh i'm uh I'm, I'm very i'm very aware that as soon as we push the button and those and we start capturing things that they're going to live past my life and uh and i'm not about creating ghosts that are going to haunt me so I always uh, have pressure. I create extra pressure, whatever, to to try to, you know, give myself a little bit of a boost and push me a little bigger. So I think going into it, yeah, of course, I felt more pressure because we we're going to do something new. But I think I was equally as excited. I mean, it it it, it felt big. It felt promising. It felt like we were going to take a deep dive story wise and really be able to you know, to, to give the audience and the fans a version of a character and a version of a story with a character that was so in-depth that it was going to feel, you know, theatrical and it was going to feel cinematic. And uh, so, I, you know, I don't know if it's the pressure or the excitement. You know, all of it was was kind of a, an amazing start. I mean, I think we all knew, you know, that we were going to, we were taking a risk. We were going to go after it. Um, and you know, I, I think, you know, Lenny was um, very aware that I was, you know, throwing contacts into his eyes and changing his hair and changing his beard and 90% of his close up and he was sick and he was dying. And he was like, what are you not going to, going to affect me with you know? <laughs> um, going into it? You know, but I thought, wow, man, what he brought, you know, you just, you, I think for opening a season, you, you, you felt that it was different. Um, you know, we could, we could, really slow it down shot by shot. I knew exactly every cut for the entire episode that we're going to shoot it. And we had walked through it and, and talked through it and, and, you know, really orchestrated everything. And it, it, you know, it, it felt like we were making a little movie. Mm -hmm. It felt like that's what we'd be able to do all season. Um, and, uh, you know, and we're opening up kind of the book creatively keeping our, our language, you know, our storytelling language, but really kind of opening up the book, per episode per character to you know to discover what what the script wanted and and go from there and it was you know to, I, I was a bit i was excited at the very beginning um i was excited all the way all the way through to the to the end 
what did you think when the reaction came out from the fans when the show started but when the show premiered uh how did you feel about the overwhelmingly positive reaction from the fans it's very happy relieved you know um when you believe in something as much as you know as you do or this season and uh and it resonates with you and it, and you you know it feels special it felt special to all of us the cast and crew all, you know across the board into catering it felt special uh you, you know you you hope that it's going to resonate with it with the fans so it's re- it, it's nice when it does it's you know it feels it feels great um you know there was a lot for the fans to absorb this this year and and uh and to feel like everybody went with it you know, and, and bought into what we we're doing is, I mean, of course, it's nice. Now, was the story set from the beginning how this season was going to play out, or was it a, a work in motion as the season progressed while you guys were filming it? Uh, no, I mean, I th- listen, uh, th- there was a plan. I mean, when you when you start bringing in a nuclear submarine, you know, you've got to have the end game with that. So, uh, you know, th- those bombs were going to drop and those bombs were going to explode. Uh, I, I did question how we were going to do it, how we were going to accomplish it, and how we were going to move forward, uh, you know, if they did land and detonate. So I asked a few times, you know, just because anyone in their right mind wouldn't wouldn't do that. You wouldn't let them land, not on a TV show. It's, you know, so it's just, that's it's crazy, you know. I mean, I, I don't think anybody predicted. Everyone thought Morgan was going to stop him somehow or something. And, you know, I was really concerned with how he would execute, you know, um, because it's it's pretty tough to to execute a, a you know a nuclear explosion. You caught a uh, lot of. Oh, sorry, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you caught a lot of people off guard because I was one of the people who was like, okay, the heroes are going to come in, Morgan's right at the door, they're going to stop this, no launch. But you went against you guys went against the grain. Those bombs yeah, well, flew. <laughs> Those yeah. bombs flew. That's what I love about it is it's just nobody you know I mean nobody. And the right mind would let those things land and detonate, you know. And I think, you know, it's a show inherently, it's it's expensive. Uh, what do you do moving forward? There's all kinds of questions that come with that. And I think even the audience and the fans, you know, I mean, everyone is so, you know, acutely aware of television now and, and what it takes to make good television. I don't think anybody thought, you know, that they were going to let it land because what do you do moving forward? And, uh, you know what do you what do we do moving forward? Well, uh, you guys, See? you guys obviously have that planned out because you're shooting season seven. But now let's break yeah. it down character per character. Let's start with Strand, okay? Strand went back to his old ways uh, in the most part of the season, okay? He joined up with Virginia. We know that he built a coalition against her. And then in the finale, he really crossed the line when he pushed Morgan into the walkers. Is there any way back for him? I actually, at that point, was thinking, you know, Coleman Domingo may not make it to season seven. I was questioning when he did that. Uh, I knew Morgan was not going to die. But when it comes to Coleman, I'm like, whoa, they may kill him off before this show, this episode is even over. But he lives, and he is a character, one of the most fascinating characters on the show, who, uh, in the finale, he really admitted to himself, he is not the guy that Morgan wants him to be. The guy that, let's go help people, let's go save people. That's not who he is. How do you, uh, how do you guys grapple with that? 
Well, I think for, first off, that uh, in the finale, that was one of the the best performances of the the entire year. I mean, uh, we talked a lot about it in in prep and and how it was going to move forward and what we wanted to accomplish scene by scene going through. And Coleman just knocked it out of the park 100%. I mean, you know, as of Strand, I think, uh, you know, listen, he, he's being true to himself. Uh, I think, you know, at least he was willing to admit it after the nuclear bomb you know, went off. He, he did claim to be Morgan Jones, but... Yeah. I think, uh, you know, staring out a window at the face of a nuclear bomb and then having it detonate and, and not kill you, it probably rewires your entire DNA. Um, you know, it de definitely probably gives you some some delusional uh, aspect, thinking maybe you're the only one who would live and that maybe you're the only one who can't die. And, and maybe you've been right all along. There's, you know, there's a lot of things to kind of take out of that that I think Strand is taking and and uh he'll move forward with with that you know I mean that that was uh, quite a transformation speech at the end of of the episode and you know just and he nailed it uh, I mean it's a powerful powerful moment it's Absolutely. uh it's really nice when you when you get into a place and and you're looking at a performance and you feel it resonate all the way through your body and shoots you know chills up your spine and you know you, you realize that you know you're, you're definitely witnessing something something amazing that is beyond the truth you know uh and i think that you know uh coleman brought a version of strand that will carry forward into the future um and uh we'll we'll see uh, uh, maybe a different kind of iteration but you were right when you said that uh strand even when morgan was swiping the keys to get into the control room at that point, Strand is even still trying to defend himself. Aha, so I made the right decision by pushing you in or else you would not have these keys right now. And Morgan's like, stop, just stop. And then when he runs away in the finale and he meets up with the, with the new guy, again, I'm Morgan Jones. Then he's like, well, no, I'm not Morgan Jones. The, you're right. The performance by Coleman was amazing. The performance by everyone was amazing this whole season. The next character I want to move on to is Jenna Elfman, June. Uh, she was amazing this season. Uh, of course, we all know that the loss of John Dory was really meant to propel her character, as well as others. It, 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 uh, John Dory's death affected everybody. Alicia, yeah. Morgan, everybody. But of course, it's going to affect his wife the most. Uh, she became a new character after his death. And her assassination of Virginia was just a starting point. Uh, <laughs> how deeply of a change and how do you feel Jenna handled the change from that pivot moment of her husband's death? Well, I think, I mean, listen, yeah, uh, June probably had the largest single character arc of the of the season. You know, I mean, it was monumental, the loss of, you know, of Dory um, for every character. But obviously for, for June, it was our was our one, you know, true love story um, other than, you know, Mor Morgan and Grace, which is a little more complicated, especially now at this point. Um, uh, moving forward, you know, uh, Jenna, uh, you know, she embraces all of this to the fullest. I think she uh, she loves challenges. You know, I mean, she, she has since day one, you know, seen one, 
with her, she has grabbed the dramatic role of, you know, of, of her career and, and taken it and she prepares, she's insatiable. She wants more information constantly and, uh, and change. She's not afraid of, I think, you know, I think that that's the one thing that's amazing, you know, about Jenna is that she embraces those sort of things. You know, most people would be like, Whoa, what's going to happen? Well, how am I supposed to do this? And, you know, she, she loves that there's no, there's no stagnation. And I think it's, you know, it's an important to a show that there isn't stagnation. That's why these deaths, you know, as much as, uh, you know, they're, they're shocking and they're heartbreaking. And personally, we all lose somebody that we love, you know, creating with they're they're a necessity in the apocalypse. They drive, you know, they, they drive, they're a catalyst to everybody's, you know, arc and, you know, and just, you know, something that we've established is very accurate to the apocalypse. People will die. Yes. People you love the most will die. You know, it's part of it from day one, you know, 10 years ago on the, on the walking dead. So exactly. And it's still true to um, Yeah. But June, June moving forward, you know I mean? There's, there's, there's a lot to, to, to deal with, you know? Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, getting, getting Dory senior, you know, getting Keith Carradine's, been you know amazing for the show and you know it's uh it's always kind of shocking to think when you lose somebody of you know garrett dillahunt's quality and it's like we're never going to find someone else to come in and and be strong but there are just a, a lot there are a lot of really talented beautiful giving amazing actors out there and and uh over the years i've gotten to meet a lot of them because i've been a, attached to a show that kills many yeah and Garrett has been, he's been, he, he's gone on the public record saying that he loved and would never trade in his time on Fear of the Walking Dead. Did you guys, did Garrett know going in before filming season six that this was going to be his final season? Yes, I think he knew. Yeah, he did know. You know, there, yeah. was, there were discussions over, over that. You know, I mean, I think sometimes it's debatable what episode is going to be, you know, just until they break everything out. But, but Garrett knew. Okay. Know, and, Okay. Now, Ian and Andrew have gone on the record recently and said that you guys were in the process of finishing filming the finale, which you directed. You directed the season premiere, the mid-season finale, the mid-season premiere, and the season finale. Four episodes, or uh, at least those four. Were there more this season? Yeah, there were, there were, there were six. Six. Okay, so two more that yeah. I missed. Okay. Now, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did In Dreams with the... The with Grace and oh. the baby, the pink the pink tree episode, and okay. and then I did, and then I did the one with uh, with with Austin and Christine. And, oh, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get to them in a second too. But uh, yeah. Ian and Andrew have gone and said publicly that you guys were in the process of wrapping up the finale, which you were directing, when the whole COVID shutdown happened, and there were talks during that long break before you guys got back on the set late summer, early fall of last year to resume on whether you guys had enough material to give us a full eight episodes for the first half. But it was ultimately decided that that last few moments with Garrett turning into a walker was very important to do. Uh, first of all, I'm assuming Garrett had to come back again after all those months away. I'm sure he didn't have a single problem with that. As a director, how was it for you getting back in the mindset 
into going back to filming the final few minutes of an episode that you started six months earlier. Yeah, I mean, look, it was, you know, it was rougher on Garrett than anybody. I think when you know you're leaving and you're right up to the point and we uh, we, we saved, you know, the final scene because it's just normally what you do for everybody. You know, I mean, for everyone, it's a personal thing. Uh, you, you don't want to go to the end that, you know, when there's a big death, you don't want to shoot that early in the scene, in, in the episode. So you, you try to save it and, and do it. Of course, this was one of the rougher ones to, to miss for six months, you know, and poor Garrett, you know, had to just sit and, and wait it out and, you know, not talk. I mean, I, I can't believe that, you know, that it didn't leak out yeah. in advance. I mean, I think, you know, maybe it was because of the pandemic, but you know, everybody, Everybody was very responsible, and uh, um, I was concerned going back into it whether it would, you know, turn out great. Um, but I think we all had eight months of, of, you know, I mean, sort of six months of rehearsing it, you know, in our heads. I think it was really easy, and you know, Garrett was an amazing walker, slithering around in the mud. It was, it was awful, you know. I mean, almost everybody cried while we were shooting it, and uh, and you know, and. It, <laughs> It kind of came came out there. It was uh, semi anticlimactic, just because you know we had so much going on. I was you know at that point we we got back. We were just hoping that we could continue shooting, mm-hmm. you know, on a day to day basis at that moment. So um, you know, and Garrett, you know, spoke to everybody, and you know, and we sent him on his way. Uh, you know, he, he's I couldn't I couldn't ever imagine anyone other than him playing Dory, you know, what he brought, this simple, simpleness that he brought to this complicated man and, and, uh, you know, how he always consistently brings the truth. It's 100% believable and, 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 and really just, you know, just kept us all captivated, uh, and and drove the story, you know, I mean, it's, you know, Morgan's best friend, you know, it just, it was, uh, you know, it was a big, it was a big thing, but that was our kind of step back into, into shooting from uh, you know from that from that break, so it was, it was just really you know it was a it was an odd time. Uh, I think you know we were all white knuckling for the that first that first episode back out going into nine and you know shooting through. I I know that when that wrapped, I was in the van and I almost collapsed. Wow! And I realized that I almost collapsed because I think I was just holding my breath through an entire episode. Uh, you know. Um, it was great to create again. Didn't matter masks or not. It's a you know creation is a really good diversion yeah. for all the world's problems, at least for us. Um, and uh, and I'm really proud of what we did during you know all of this you know coming back to shooting and the COVID protocols. And I'm really proud that we were safe and kept everybody safe. That we really didn't have to shut down. You know, and uh, and still the quality of the work. I was worried about having to put an asterisk on a on an episode and apologize to everybody wow. and say like, wow. sorry, you know, COVID. Yeah, Mm-mm. you know, but um, wow. r- really we don't we don't we don't we don't back down. We've got 300 people that that really go at it and and realize what what we can do together, um, and go and go for it, COVID or not. Exactly, and you guys and did that, that was. Yeah, you guys did an absolutely fantastic job. Now, next Thanks. character that we have to talk about, Dakota. Wow. Now, my explanation for Dakota is that, well, A, she come came to age during the apocalypse. She was a kid. 
Uh, she had witnessed some horrible things. We find out that Virginia is not her sister, but her mother. And that actually makes a lot of sense because it always bugged me the amount of care that Virginia had for Dakota. It went beyond sisterly to me, you know? I'm like, there's something off there, but I never suspected she was her mother. I don't know why, but I never did. And then that came out. And we find out that it's Virginia, I mean, sorry, Dakota that saved Morgan and how much of an influential young woman she is. She will bind to whoever accepts her as who she is. She sees no problem in killing because that is the world that she grew up in. She, there's nothing wrong with it. That's why she bonds with a Teddy, John Glover. Uh, she also had a great arc, and I was surprised with the finale. I would have almost bet that Dakota would have transferred over into season seven. Walk us through her arc. And Zoe Coletti, hats off to Zoe. She did a fantastic job as Dakota. Uh, walk us through Dakota's arc. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's like you described. Uh, the kids of the apocalypse... Um, they're kind of working under a different evolution. You know, I mean, we, we always play with those, those sort of themes in the apocalypse, you know, the right and wrong. And can the old, you know, human with humanity and, and trying to save everyone really exist in the apocalypse or whether it's, you know, a new build where we've all had to do something bad and you've got to kill to survive. And I think growing up as a child, you know, that, that new evolution takes over and, and, uh, and it gets very dis you know, distortive for the way that people think. And, and, uh, you know, and I think Dakota was, was trapped in that, in that, in that world. And, and I watched her sister mother do some, some horrible things and, and, uh, and watched the world around her, you know, kind of change shape. And, and she was adapting to it and thought it was right. And, uh, you know, they, 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 the kids of the apocalypse, are, you know, are pretty broken um, as we've kind of, you know, shown in, in both sides. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so now, another episode. Uh, Dakota, I mean, it really surprised me. First of all, A, she takes out uh, Teddy, which he deserved. The guy was, uh, I mean, John Glover could not have done a better job at portraying a psychopath than, than <laughs> Teddy. Oh, my yeah. God. That guy was yeah. just scary. Yeah. Uh, but he was conniving. He was not totally insane we find out in the end that he's he was not willing to die with everybody else. He had a, a place to stay safe. And that's what ultimately led to his death with through Dakota. Uh, was Dakota also only lasting through this season uh, preset in stone? Or did you guys grapple with that as the season progressed? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think that's an Ian and, and Andrew question. I mean, I will say, you know, television to a certain extent is organic. Um, you can fall in love with, with somebody when they come in for a character in an episode and, and realize that their, their role is starting to get expanded, which I, I, I re actually really like about television is that somebody can come in and, um, you know, and, and bring you uh, a character that you're so in love with that the next thing you know, you, you know, we're all talking about it and, and the roles start getting expanded. So, um, I, you know, I mean, I think there wasn't, it was tough now, I think with Dakota, I mean, where, how could you, how could you forgive her there? You know, it needed, 
she needed a way out, you know, I mean, she, she wanted to be loved, but she was so broken. There wasn't, there wasn't anywhere that she was, she was going to get that, that love. And, and I feel like at least her character had a, a semi redemption in the end to, to make, take care of Teddy and, you know, make sure he doesn't have a chance to, to, you know, shoot off all the other missiles on the, on the sub and, and completely annihilate the, the earth. Um, you know, and, uh, she, Got to watch a nuclear explosion up close. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of things she saw. Yeah. What would yeah, you say? Was... What would you say is the biggest differences between Charlie and uh, Dakota? What separates Charlie that earned Alicia's forgiveness for killing her brother, as opposed to Dakota? What is the biggest thing do you think that separates those two characters? Well, I think that that Dakota Dakota knows that. That killing is is wrong, but she's she doesn't believe that in any of any way, shape, or form. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, you know, I think she she hears other people say it. She might be closer to the sociopathic kind of you know mentality. She knows how to play certain things to you know in certain ways, but she's she's going to kill and she's going to kill over and over again. And and I think Charlie is you know is not that way. She's not a sociopath. She's She's, you know, was a misguided child that was caught up in something and, and, uh, and, you know, and now has grown to, to, to be a part of a family and, and be supportive. You know, she was yeah. another a kid of the apocalypse, just trying to survive. And Charlie showed remorse. Yeah. Dakota never showed remorse. And, no, Dakota, yeah. Dakota, you yeah, know, that, that's Dakota's the, a sociopath. That's a sociopath right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Now. What you guys did also also this season is you went through two major storylines in a single season. You wrapped up the Virginia and the Pioneers, and then we went quickly into the Teddy storyline, which when it started, I would say there's no way this is going to wrap up in four episodes. This is going to carry on into season seven. Again, surprised. Uh, now, is that you guys learning from past mistakes in the franchise about dragging a story out for too long. Uh, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't write any of the episodes, so I don't, I don't know. We don't talk about uh, past mistakes in that way. It's more about reinventing. We try to reinvent everything every mm -hmm. season and every half season, try to be a re you know, we try to, do that that's just something i think creatively that we're all we all love doing and uh i think we maybe went into hyperdrive you know i think the excitement of of the anthology and the anthological structure is was really inspiring on every level so you know maybe it kicked everything up into gear i don't you know i think it's more of a, a question for for ian and andrew there but uh i i like i like the our speed of travel um I like our pacing. I think you have to pace a season the same way you do an episode. You know, you've got to you've got to really be aware of how you're going to play scenes and how you're going to pace the entire episode and kind of you know orchestrate it so so it's it's a wild ride, you know, and that it stays exciting. And it, and then there's also times that you just need to pause and just gently lay it back out for the audience and allow them to get their their heartbeat and their rhythm back, and then you take it all away again. You know and the way season six ended, it's just, it leaves you guys so many options into going into season seven. So many options. Now, 
two other characters I want to discuss, and that is Dwight and Sherry, Austin Emilio and Christine Evangelista. First of all, bringing back Christine to Fear from The Walking Dead, that was a brilliant move. She's a great character that we did not get to really explore that much on The Walking Dead. We know that she was Dwight's wife. We know they went back. Her punishment was to become Negan's wife. She's the one that let Daryl escape, and then she vanished. Dwight, we saw his arc carry out through the entire season eight of The Walking Dead, and he disappeared, and he shows up on Fear. Great. Austin Emilio, I mean, wow. I mean, he's such a great actor. Brings brings Dwight, and Dwight has transformed into such a fan favorite. How do you think bringing back Christine Evangelista affected Dwight's character and his development? Well, I think I think it just kind of ex- expanded what he was able to do. The stories you're able to tell. I mean, he, you know, it was was a single-minded sort of structure with Dwight. You know, he's w- willing to walk across the entire country in search of one person in search of love and and uh you know it that was his sole existence i think in the apocalypse you know like you grab a hold of one thing to try to keep from going insane and and try to live for another day and that was you know nothing better than love mm-hmm. um getting you know getting sherry back it kind of you know it gets to play with a lot of themes it gets to play with like what about now what do we do now can can you have love in the apocalypse? Can you have a family in the apocalypse? A lot of the, the things, you know, they, they were had written discussions um, about this. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I love in, in the last episode that it, it really comes down to like, you know, maybe we don't have to just go out and try to hunt down this one person and, and kill. And maybe we're not always going to be victims. You know, maybe we should go out and, and kill people. You know, shooting that guy, that conversation back, you know. <laughs> Uh, to, towards the the uh, shelter, yeah. you know, where they're like, maybe we should be doing this all along. It's like if there's, uh, there was this oddly romantic moment as these rockets were plummeting to the to the earth, and uh, and I think you know we'll probably explore that, you know, into the into the into the future. Okay. Um, but I think it opens up the gamut for for Dwight. You know, I mean, I remember Austin's first day on on The Walking Dead vividly, like it was yesterday. I remember when he came on. You know. Um, and uh, and he's been nothing but an amazing human being and great actor since then. So it's it's nice to to really see that that he gets to you know kind of have an expanded kind of role. His character gets to gets to have a, a larger arc, and you know I think it's it, it's important. And Christine, you know she's she's been game since she's come here. You know, like, and I'm glad so- Sherry finally realized that her mission to hunt down Virginia. Virginia was just a surrogate for Negan for her. And I'm glad at the end she that finally clicked into her head. Uh, that she's like, I'm going to go back to Virginia and kill Negan. That's what I need to do. No, no. Because it, it, I'm glad that Dwight convinced her that, you know what? Even if you do kill him, it's still not going to make you feel any better. Uh, and bringing... She was she stuck in a, in a rut, yeah. you know? And it's it's nice that it feels like they've... They've come through that. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of the characters, the, this, the nuclear bomb was a, a very clearing event. You know, it was a very transparent kind of event. And it, 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 it will be exciting to see how everybody reacts moving forward if they are all alive. Who knows? Okay. Now let's move on to Alicia. Now, uh, Alicia had some very big episodes this season. 
she was not part of the finale. We saw Teddy lock her up in the bunker. His plan is that she is going to be the leader of his new future. We know he's full of crap anyways. He was, you know, he was going to be a part of that. He was always going to run the future uh, as long as he had breath in him. But he locked her up and we did not see her uh, with the other people that were chosen to lead the new future. Now, were there talks about giving Alicia some time in the finale, maybe showing us a little bit of what this bunker looked like? Or was that just, you know what, let's keep this till next season, if if it's going to happen next season? Yeah, well, I mean, I th- you know, listen, I mean, we know that that's one of the government bunkers. It's meant to, to survive a nuclear explosion. There's a pretty good chance you're going to see her. Um, you know, we, we, we tapped in with that in the last episode, but you just saw the hallway that she first arrived in and was locked up in, mm-hmm. you know, taking, taking the hit, um, you know, and getting the explosion. And I think that, you know, uh, we'll see, see moving into the future. See, see what happens with her. She's a part of the show. Oh yeah. Huge part yeah. of the show. And she was not in, <laughs> she was not in that many episodes it's as fans would have expected but in the episodes she was in like the introduction of bringing cole back which was great and at the end of that episode she had to kill him this was once her friend they shared the stadium together and she had to kill him because he had gone over to the dark side for a lack of a better term so her episodes even though they were not that many they were powerful they were impactful and they were completely appropriate for her character uh, in regards to uh, Alicia. Now, let's talk about uh, uh, Grace, Karen David. Uh, no, yeah, Grace. Let's talk about Grace, her relationship. Her relationship with Morgan is very complicated. How, did you f- how do you feel now that the season's over in regards to how Grace's character was handled? With any regrets, anything that you would have liked to have seen done differently with her character? No, I don't. I don't have any regrets. I, 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 I to tell you the truth, I, I begged to direct uh, in dreams. It was a, it was something when they pitched it, the story that I want, I really wanted to tell. Um, you know, it's dark and it's sad. Uh, it also opened up kind of the creative world on our show. You know, our language. If you're in somebody's head, you can kind of explore. Uh, all of the rules not really being rules anymore, yeah. and uh, and it was a, f- a fantastic episode. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of talk about what what we would do with this the baby once it's pregnant. But you know, I mean, it, it's that is just how radiation and 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 you know and fetuses work. You know, it's it's uh, they they the babies save their save their their mothers by by absorbing it. Yeah, um, and. Uh, you know, that's I, a great I, point. I'm I'm glad that we that we went there. I'm glad that we talked about it. You know, I mean, it's also it's a subject that that most people kind of throw under. There's a there's a lot of women in in my life that you know that have that have had a miscarriage or you know a stillborn baby. It's still one of those things that you know that people that that occur and women just kind of are meant to move on and not talk about it. And uh, and so I you know I was proud that we that we did do that uh, to a certain extent. Um, you know, the Morgan Grace relationship, that that's a complicated one. It is. You know, 
moving moving forward but but i i i i like it i mean you know i mean it's that's what we we're here to do is to to explore the the complications it it's the apocalypse if it was a a fairy tale well then yeah. it sh- it would be different but we don't get a lot we don't get a lot of those you know and uh and i think you know listen it's going to be explored moving forward uh, uh it was it was tough in in 16 that got you know watching that guy when we were shooting at the gun going up to the head before yeah. before the baby baby morgan you know was heard crying you yeah. know it's just that was a brutal scene and uh and karen david is her acting has gone to an, an a next level and and the you know it's it's again it's the anthology getting these deep dives character wise i think it it really allows all of our actors to to get on point and and you know and lead a lead episodes um and uh and she was just amazing to watch her perform and, and to integrate with her like i i really it was more than a pleasure that's awesome now let's talk about reuben blades daniel and that one amazing episode uh i loved how that was shot him telling the story from what we see initially him being behind bars so we know something terribly wrong has gone on we just don't find out until the end uh this man is uh he has nine lives to put it mildly uh daniel's character uh i love the fact that we got to see the damage that was caused to him when strand shot him in the face when he went and he pulled out the you know the fake teeth the pain that he lives through day in and day out how close he came to killing strand who now we could say might have deserved it but anyways uh <laughs> uh what'd you think of reuben blades uh performance in that single episode he's an amazing actor i mean talk to talk to us about that yeah yeah i mean listen i've had a few scenes with reuben but until the you know anthological thing kicked in um you know nothing nothing huge but listen he's he's one of the world's greatest performers um, you know, and when you see him connected into a scene and into something, he's one of the most powerful actors we have in our entire ensemble. So to have, you know, have that rich story told through him, narrated by him and told in two timelines through him, uh, you know, again, he's, you know, another one, just these, these scripts, when you get them and you read them, if you're in them, it's about you and, and you get to shine, and that's what's been great about the anthology. And and Ruben just he he killed it, you know. I mean, absolutely. He was you know? amazing. He was amazing. Absolutely, yeah. That episode is one of my top favorite episodes of the season. If if it's hard to pick, it really is hard to pick. Now, going back to the directing aspect, you had to go back after COVID, wrap up season uh, episode eight, and then you also directed episode nine. The last time you were here with us, you I asked you a question and you said that normally directors don't do back-to-back episodes because there's just not enough time for preparation and stuff. How was it like <laughs> for you as a director literally having to finish up one episode and then go and direct the following episode? Well, it was yeah, it was only one day of 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 episode 8 that we had to shoot, you know, I mean Dory's death. Uh and you know, the, the, it really, you really don't do, you can't do eight and nine normally, but I, I had a six month break. So it was, uh, 
was easy to um, absorb the material. Uh, it, but it was a new world that we were going into. It, you know, nine nine was nine was you know who knows whether we're going to be able to shoot a day or not a day, getting tested three, four times a week, uh, wearing masks, you know, all, all face shields, all of these crazy things, uh, you know, locators and can't stand near anybody. And it was a different, it was a, you know, it was a different world. Um, I was really thankful that I got to direct the first one back, um, just because it would, would have been hard to stand around and be stressed. It was easier to be right there with everybody, you know, on the battlefield kind of hands on, um, And uh, and I was really thankful that I was occupied with with that amount of work, you know, that we were trying to prep and I was directing and doing both jobs kind of kept me from from overly thinking about it and stressing, you know, until until I was done with the first episode and then I nearly collapsed. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was great. It it was great. So, I mean, it just kind of covid covid allowed me to have eight and nine. Thank you, covid. Um. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, you know, it was uh, it was you know it was not it was nice and and uh, and I also I, I wasn't originally scheduled to to direct in dreams and when COVID hit they, we had to cancel all of our contracts and everything and you know just because there was so much unknown and I did ask that when we come back can I have I was going to do fifteen and sixteen and I said Let, can I please have in dreams I really want to tell that story it's something I want to want to explore. So, you know, I got, got a little bit out of all of it, I guess. That was good. That was good. Those, I mean, those, it was, it was amazing that finale and that premiere. And I told everybody here that this episode seven is the pseudo finale and episode seven ended off with, you know, June going one way. And that's when we see John Dory going his own way. And we as fans knew that it would take a lot. So at that, that moment, in the final scene where they're going separate ways and us knowing the kind of love that John Dory has for June and what turmoil he must be going inside for him to leave his wife behind really brought it home to bring it into episode eight, which was his death and really give us a great just inside look into the turmoil that this man was feeling. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think in in seven, in seven, when you realize that Dory can't can't actually, and I think it was established in four. You know, really, when after you know after he kind of made that deal with Jenny and let you know the that death slide. Yeah. Um, you know, and and June came there to visit him. You could see it. You could see that that he had he had gone too far, and it wasn't you know he. There was no turning back, you know, from what it was, and well, you know, for him to to decide to to leave and to leave it all behind, uh, you know, it was it it made sense when we opened up eight and he was he was trying to find a way to to shoot himself, yeah. and you know, and the, and the walkers kept keeping him from from being able to do that, but uh, which I thought was just such an uh, an amazing opening, you know, it was. It was. It was. Yeah. It was an amazing opening. Let's talk about a little bit about Maggie Grace, Althea, Al. We all love Al. Al and the CRM. That's the big connection in fear. Al and Isabel. Uh, Al finally makes the decision uh, once she finds out, I believe, about the potential threat 
to go and warn the CRM. Uh, are we as viewers led to believe that the CRM, which we know now from World Beyond, we have gotten an inside look into the CRM, and the CRM is very prevalent in fear as well. We don't know why yet, but we're going to find out why. Uh, I think all roads on all three shows are all diverging to a CRM kind of explosion, but that's for another time. Now, with Maggie Grace's Al leaving to tell the CRM, are we led to really believe that the CRM being this shadow organization that was formed before the apocalypse happened, that they have no idea that there's unsecured nukes out there? Well, I mean, I think I think I think we know it, it's not necessarily the CRM. It's you know, it's Isabel that came to rescue everybody. We do know that you know they're on a CRM channel and and that they're you know everyone has to check in. Uh, Isabel's rogue, and you know that we've we've established what they're willing to to do. You know that they will come and and extinguish everybody to try to keep themselves quiet. And uh, I you know. I don't know. Well, we don't know yet whether I, you know. I don't think they know that that sub was there, but maybe they know the nukes are in the air. I'm sure they're going to know that the detonations are. I think everyone, you know, on the planet will know the detonations exist. Exactly. Moving forward, you would think. You know, I mean, um, you know, originally I thought it was a great, great way to end all three shows. It is. It Just is. set them off, and they all end. Yeah. And the way I see—that's not the way it's happening. <laughs> the way the way I see the promos, and I don't expect you to answer this, but the way I see the promos for season seven is sort of like you know, like a nuclear winter has befallen over Texas, you know, and showing the survivors uh, literally separated. They're all—they're not together. They're fragmented now. Uh, yeah. Everyone's not in the so. same place. We don't know if Morgan Settlement is still even standing. Morgan Settlement might have gotten hit by one of the by the uh, warheads, or might have been close enough to have gotten completely destroyed. We have we have no idea of what the future holds for this group. We do know that they're fragmented, but I you know to tell everybody you know it's 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 a great idea. And, you know, nuclear winter has befallen over Fear of the Walking Dead. I could see the promo teasers for that already. Uh, that would be great. Now let's talk just a little bit. We're almost out of time. Uh, the Walking Dead is going into its final season. Uh, any invitations to go back to uh, Georgia to partake in the final season whatsoever? Well, yeah, I mean, of of course, I've been I've been asked and. And uh, and I want to. I just uh, we have to see how all these schedules go now. Everything's kind of filming you know, post COVID. Well, po yeah, post COVID, everything's shooting the same time, and and our seasons are very expanded. You know, we're not we're not shooting twelve hour days or fourteen hour days. We're shooting ten hour days, and and episodes have gone from eight and nine day episodes to ten and twelve, and okay. so it's it's something I really don't I don't know how. Or whether I can yet, um, I, I would like to. I mean, I, I, I've been a part of it every season. It's 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 what you know. It's what made me. It's what got me here. It's it's my family. It's my origin story. It's you know. It's got people that that are that are my family and that I love over there. So uh, if I can, I will. Um, and then we'll just have to. We have to wait, wait and see. 
I'll maybe love, yeah. what's going on. I know the scheduling is all a mess right now, but I think it would be great to see you go back to where it all started for you and just do at least one directing of the final season, whether it's in this part A of the of the first twelve or the final twelve in next year. I think it would be great to go back. Now, the last time you were also here, we're almost wrapping this up. We're almost out of time. Yeah, I asked you a question about what it was going to be like when you go back post-COVID. Were you, be, were, were you going to be working with a skeleton crew? And you actually said there were going to be more people because of COVID. Did that actually happen? Were there more people, health people there than previously? Yeah, we, we, we didn't scale down crew in any department at all. And then there were two more new departments. I mean, you know, we had we have a health and safety in the office. We had we have our own lab um, because we had to be able to to guarantee results. You know, we got a lot of a lot of problems or, you know, a lot of shows had problems with with test results. And if there was a spike in the area that all of a sudden, you know, results would come a day or or two days later. And we had to be able to guarantee that we could have everyone tested and have the results in three hours. So we put a lab in at the office and we had a mobile lab out on set and then we have health and safety people um, from the studio to on set and everywhere else. We had a, an entire cleaning, uh, you know, crew with a team of people that cleaned. So that's why we went to 10 hour days so we could sterilize all the equipment after wrap and, so it, it, you know, it actually increased the size of our crew as opposed to, to gearing down, you know, it just, it took, uh, it takes a, it takes a lot to keep everybody safe and, and, uh, and it's a testament to what everyone set up for us because we, we stayed safe and, and is made there, it through. Is there any laxing now that we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, at least here in the United States of this COVID thing, is there any are you guys sticking to the same protocols you had in October or is there any laxing a little bit trying to loosen? Yeah, up? not, not, not yet. We haven't, we haven't loosened anything. We're, we're stick to this. We've stuck to the same protocols we had in September and October. Um, uh, you know, until all of the unions get together and, and discuss how we're going to move forward, we're, we're wearing masks and, you know, and mo most of our crew is fully vaccinated now at this point And, and we are still going through the same exact protocols, you know, to keep those that are not not vaccinated safe. Yeah, and that's that's what we'll do moving forward until we decide as an industry um, how we're going to how we're going to move, move forward. forward. And yeah, it's yeah. not just the Walking Dead universe. It's film, television. No, it's, Everybody's trying to even down to distribution. Yeah. They're all trying to find the new formula on how the future is going to work. Yeah. Michael. Man, I love talking to you. Uh, it's been an honor having you back. Thank you so much for just being an amazing director and being a part of, like what I said, was the best season in the Walking Dead universe. And that was season six of Fear the Walking Dead. By far, hands down, in my opinion, and that's saying a lot, in a show, in a franchise, in a mega franchise like the Walking Dead universe, what you guys were able to bring us pre-COVID, after COVID for the final uh, nine episodes was just, it's unreal, really, if you think about it. And yeah, that 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 talk about asterisks on the final nine, yeah, you can forget about that. I didn't notice any difference. You guys did a fantastic job. So hats off to you, to your fellow crewmates, the cast, everybody. You guys are doing an amazing job. 
We are all just thrilled and waiting for season seven. I have <laughs> no idea what's in store for season seven. We just got to wait yeah. and see. But I know you guys are going to bring us one hell of a whopper in season seven. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Last question. Season six of Fear the Walking Dead. You've been the guy that's been with this universe since day one. Is it the season that is dearest in your heart in the entire universe? In my new creative iteration, I would say absolutely. Uh, and then I'll always, I mean, the dearest place is, is that day, that day one, the season one, before the show was ever big, before anyone said we were cool, when we were all just standing in the dirt in Georgia, uh, looking around and, and thinking we have all the right people in the right place. That will that will always be probably the most special to to me. Just, just because it was it was our origin story, you know, and, and we had no reason, we had no fuel from a giant audience or people backing us. You know, it was we just looked around and went, "There's an amazing story, and holy shit, there's the right people here to tell this story with. We better we better not mess up this opportunity. Let's just go for it." And that was, you know. That that to me is is beyond beyond special and you know and only only those of us who were there and looked each other in the eyes know what that really felt like and that will always and be here you are special here yeah. you are eleven years later still doing it and that's phenomenal <laughs> eleven yeah. years eleven years uh, Michael thank you so much yeah. guys thank you thank so much. you very much thank you it's been an honor thank you so much for tuning in <laughs> thank you so much to Michael Satrazimas for being our guest guys be safe and until next time on behalf of Michael and myself guys stay walking good night.